Well, today we are in week two of this series on the Holy Spirit. And so if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to grab it and go to Acts chapter 1 with me, if you will. Acts chapter 1. It's been on my heart for a while now to do this series because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is the least understood and the most misunderstood member of the Godhead. You know, in churches like ours, a lot of people know about God the Father, and they're really familiar with Jesus the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are all kinds of question marks surrounding him. And as a result, I've often found that people tend to go one of two directions regarding the Spirit. They either get really weird, and they start doing strange, unbiblical things in the name of the Holy Spirit that he's not responsible for. Or they avoid the Holy Spirit altogether to avoid becoming one of those weird people, right? I mean, I shared a few weeks ago that I grew up in a church like that. We rarely, if ever, talked about the Spirit. And when he did come up in conversation, people would usually get really nervous. And they would say things like, hey, be careful. Don't get too carried away with all that Holy Spirit stuff. And I recognize now at this point in my life... That was nothing more than a fear-based response to the bad packaging often associated with the Spirit. And here's what I mean when I say bad packaging. When you bring the Holy Spirit up, uh, some people right away associate him with those dudes on TV laying people out, right? Or they associate him with those ladies on TV with the big hair, wearing way too much makeup and gold jewelry. (laughs) And look, I just need to say to you today... We can't let that bad packaging keep us from the Spirit of God. Because the truth is, you and I desperately need the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. Uh, Last Sunday, Pastor Zach did a great job driving that truth home as he introduced us to the person of the Holy Spirit. If you missed that message, you need to go back and watch it and, and listen to it. Zach taught us that the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. And please hear me, that matters, okay? He he taught, in other words, that the Holy Spirit is a person we walk in relationship with, not simply this impersonal force or power that we use. But here's what's so interesting. When you pay close attention to the scriptures, you find that as you walk in intimate relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, the result of that relationship is power. So hear me, the Holy Spirit is not a power, But the Holy Spirit gives power. And the power that he gives cannot be faked. It cannot be manipulated. It cannot be mimicked or put on. The power that the Holy Spirit gives the people of God is a supernatural power that allows those people to do things that are impossible for them. And that's exactly what we see playing out in the opening pages of the book of Acts. And so I'm going to give you some context and then we're going to read, all right? Uh, In Acts chapter 1. We find Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension into heaven, spending 40 days on the earth making appearances to his followers. And as he appears to them, he has some very important conversations with them. And one of those conversations is recorded for us right here. Look at Acts 1, starting in verse 4. Luke, who's writing this, says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, if you were here recently for our Sent series, this was a series in which we talked about the mission of God that he sent us into the world to accomplish. 
you might remember that in week two of that series, we talked about the Great Commission, right? This charge from Jesus in Matthew 28 to his disciples, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and, and make other followers of me. Yet here he is in Acts 1 saying, but don't go yet. Like, I want you to go, but first you need to wait. You need to wait here in the city of Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is who? Say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, all right? Why this instruction? Why, why is he telling them to wait? Well, it's really simple. Jesus knows that without the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples cannot do what he's just asked them to do. And he makes his point by referencing John's baptism. He says, you guys remember John the Baptist, right? Remember how he baptized people in water? They'd go down into the water and maybe John did what we do. You know, he plugged people's noses and kind of wrapped them up. And, and then he dunked them, immersed them all the way under that water. And they were literally drenched. Well, Jesus says, listen, in a few days from now, you're going to be baptized or immersed like that just in a different way. You're going to be baptized, immersed with the Holy Spirit. Listen, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that baptism and its importance and what it means for us as the people of God today. So be back for that. It's really, really important stuff. But Jesus says after that baptism takes place, look, you will have the power you need to be my witnesses. Well, apparently the disciples were confused by this because in verse 6, they ask him this question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? When you study the history of the nation of Israel, you find that for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, this nation had been ruled over by other nations. Uh, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, at the time of Jesus, they're being ruled by the Romans. And so what they want to know is, Jesus, are you about to stop all that? Like, is it time for you to set up your earthly kingdom to drive out our enemies to restore the kingdom back to us so that we can live happily ever after? And I love how Jesus answers them in verse 7. He says to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, guys, quit worrying about that. Stop worrying about the Romans. Stop worrying about the restored kingdom. Like, that's all in God's hands. He's got that, all right? Uh, he's fixed those times by his own authority, and that's not for you to know. I need you to focus right now. All you need to know in this moment is this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. That word power that you see there in verse 8, it's the Greek word uh, dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite, and it refers to an explosive power, a power that is both supernatural and miraculous in nature. I love how Pastor Michael Youssef describes this power. He says this, the Holy Spirit possesses a dynamite-like power that works within a believer to blast out anything that is unlike God. Don't you love that? And then he goes on and he says, it's not a power that exalts one person above others. It does not manipulate or control others. Instead, the Holy Spirit uses his power to break us so that he might remake us. The more we get self out of the way, the more we yield our will to his, the more powerfully he's able to pour himself out through us to others 
and the more powerfully he's able to transform our lives. And then finally he says, we are merely the conduits or the channels through which God's power moves. Now, when you get into Acts chapter 2, you find the disciples of Jesus waiting for that power to show up. And as God pours out his spirit onto his people, impossible things begin to happen. Let me show you. Acts 2, starting in verse 1. Luke, the writer, continues, and he says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. I feel like we just sang a song about that, right? These tongues of fire appeared to them and, and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Luke tells us here that it's the day of Pentecost, and there's no reason for that word or, or that idea to like weird you out. Pentecost was a, an annual Jewish celebration, took, days, uh, took place 50 days after Passover, and that's all Pentecost means. It just means 50, all right? This was the celebration by which the Jewish people commemorated God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. And so he tells us here that the disciples are all gathered together in Jerusalem on that day. And all of a sudden, the sound of this rushing wind begins to fill the house where they are. And then fire begins to fall. Oftentimes when you see fire in the scriptures, it's indicative of God's presence. That was certainly true here in Acts chapter 2. And as that fire falls, it begins to separate out into what look like these little tongues. And those tongues come to rest on the disciples. And then Luke says, in that moment, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, if you're going, well, what's that about? Uh, be back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk specifically about the gift of tongues that we see happening here in Acts chapter 2. So you got motivation to come back to church a week from now, all right? But for now, can we just all stop and agree? That's strange, is it not? Like if that were to happen in this room in the next five minutes, I don't think anybody's leaving today going, wow, what a normal day in church. The hurricane and the fire and the languages, like I've seen it a hundred times. No, every single one of us is leaving going, that was weird, but it was awesome, and I can't wait to see what happens next week. Amen? It's strange, but not only is it strange, look, it's impossible. Think about this with me. When is the last time you spontaneously and fluently spoke a known language that you didn't previously know and had never studied? I would guess that your answer is never. Why? Because doing something like that is humanly impossible. And the crowd that's hearing it take place, they know it. I want you to see their response. Look at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying... Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. 
and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And so here's this crowd gathered in the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, and the crowd is made up of all these different Jews from all these different nations. And because they're from all these different nations, they naturally speak different what? Different languages. Well, all of a sudden, these people start hearing their languages being spoken. And so this crowd, they make their way to the sound, and they find the disciples. And all of a sudden, as they listen, they realize those guys are are telling of the mighty works of God in our native tongues. You got Italians hearing in Italian. You've got uh, Chinese people hearing in Chinese, Arabs hearing in Arabic. And look, it's so important that you know this. We'll talk a little more about this next week probably, but it's important that you know this is not the gift of hearing at work. So the disciples of Jesus were not speaking one common language, and then the Holy Spirit was taking that language and translating it so that all the people heard it in their own language. That's not what's happening. The Holy Spirit is moving powerfully and enabling these men and women to speak in languages they didn't know previously so that people who knew those languages could hear the mighty works of God in their own native tongues. And so I just imagine this crowd as they're listening in, they're looking at each other and they're looking at the disciples and they say, how are they doing that? That is impossible. There's no good reason why those men who are Galileans should be speaking our languages right now. And then they ask the million-dollar question, what does this mean? Well, some of the people in the crowd, they speak up in a very mocking way, and they go, this means those dudes are drunk. And I love Peter because he's so practical. (laughs) He says in response, hey, guys, it's 9 in the morning. Nobody's drunk here, all right? Don't you love that? Just the most practical answer. And then he gives a spiritual answer. He says, I'll tell you what this means. This means that the Holy Spirit is here. This means that what the prophet Joel prophesied about, it's happening right now before your very eyes. God just poured out his spirit on his sons and daughters. And then Peter goes on to preach one of the greatest gospel messages in the history of the world. And 3,000 people come to faith in one day. Can I get an amen somebody? That's powerful, right? It's amazing. Now the question is, what do we take from that? Like we're talking today specifically about the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn from Acts 1 and 2 about the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. And you may have already caught the answer because I've been touching on it all along. But here it is. We learn from Acts 1 and 2 that the power of the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. This is what we learn, that the power of the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. Possible. So in other words, when the Holy Spirit moves in power in your life, he gives you power to do things that are impossible for you. And so what are those things? Well, I, I want to give you five answers to that question today, all right? And just a heads up for those of you who care, I, I am specifically and intentionally not going to talk about the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we could add that to this list if we wanted, but I'm not going to. As I said a few moments ago, I'm going to spend an entire message next week talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So we're going to save that. But I want to give you five other answers. What type of impossible things does the power of the Holy Spirit make possible in our lives? Well, here's answer number one. 
The power of the Holy Spirit makes it possible for you, first and foremost, to be a witness for Jesus. This goes back to Acts 1.8. But you will receive power, explosive, supernatural, miraculous power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this is Jesus reminding us that if we belong to him, look, our life has one purpose. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do for a living, how old you are, what your hobbies might be. Your life has one purpose. There's one reason your blood is pumping through your veins right now. There's one reason you have breath in your lungs today, and it is so that your life can reveal Jesus to the world around you. That's your purpose. But Jesus is also teaching that you can't fulfill that purpose without the help and power of the Holy Spirit. You see, ultimately, the Holy Spirit is responsible for revealing Jesus to the world. You are simply the means by which he puts Jesus on display. Now, you might wonder, well, how does he do that? Great question. I preached a message on that three weeks ago as part of our Scent series. And so if you missed that message, I would say to you, go back and watch it, and you'll learn all about the practical ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us today to be witnesses for Jesus. But this is where it starts. Uh, secondly... The Holy Spirit, his power makes it possible for you to produce spiritual fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is Paul, the apostle, writing. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, Paul is simply pointing out here, please don't miss this, that the Holy Spirit is the one who produces these things in and through your life. You see, it's so important for you to know, you don't produce these things in you. Like, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, I really need to be more loving. I need to have more joy, because I sure do complain a lot. I, I need some more peace in my life, because my world is a wreck right now. I, I need to be more patient. Like, I fly off the handle all the time. Really need to exercise more self-control. Like, you're not going to manage or modify your behavior in such a way that allows you to be more of these things that you're not. And some of you understand that from your own experiences, don't you? Because you've walked into rooms like this, or you've sat down with your Bible, and you've been reading, or you've talked to some friends, and, and you know, I need to grow in some of these things. And so you get to work managing sin, modifying behavior, and then you get real frustrated after a few days. Why? Because you realize, oh my gosh, I'm really bad at this stuff. This is way harder than I expected it to be. And so you might do, do okay for a while. Some of you, you've experienced this cycle. You do okay for a while, but then you fall off and you feel condemned and you feel guilty and you feel ashamed and you promise God, I'm never going to do that again. I promise I'm going to get this right. And so you get back to hard work. And over time, you just find yourself over and over again at that place where you first started. Why? That is impossible for you. Only the Holy Spirit can produce these things in and through your life. That's his job. Number three, and it just keeps getting better. The power of the Holy Spirit makes it possible for you to put sin to death. To put sin to death. This again is Paul writing in Romans chapter eight. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through his spirit who dwells in you. And then he goes on, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What's Paul saying? Well, it's simple. He's saying if you belong to Jesus Christ, the very same Spirit that raised him from the dead lives inside of you. Come on, 10 o'clock. That deserves a better amen right there, right? Look, let's just do this. Can we not fly past this? Um, Can we not act like we're all good church-going people who've heard this stuff before? But can we just stop and think about this? The very same spirit that busted into that tomb 2,000 years ago and raised the dead body of Jesus Christ back to life, that same spirit right now, if you know Christ, lives inside of your body. How unbelievable is that? And Paul's saying here, because that's true, you no longer have any obligation to sin. And so while the enemy might tempt you to do things that that contradicts God and, and his way of life, that run contrary to the things that he desires, look, you never have to say yes to temptation. Why? Because a person filled with the Holy Spirit no longer lives under the authority or power of sin. And can I just point out, I know some days it doesn't feel like that's true. I know from my own experiences, some days you wake up and go, I know Jesus and the Holy Spirit's living inside of me, but I sure do feel weak today. This temptation sure does feel like too much for me. And this is one of those moments where I would tell you that you've got to stop trusting in what you feel and you have to start standing in what is true. And the truth is this, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on that cross to put your sin to death once and for all, and then he put his own spirit inside of your body so that each and every day you can kill your sin long before it kills you. He gives you power to put your sin to death. The next thing is this, the power of the Holy Spirit makes it possible for you to stand confidently in your identity. In the same passage we just read from, Paul continues and. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so Paul's telling us here again, if you know Jesus Christ, you don't have a spirit living inside of you that causes you to be enslaved to sin. No, the truth is you're no longer in slavery to sin. And because you're no longer enslaved to sin, you no longer have to fear God or the judgment of God. But instead, you now have a spirit inside of you. This is the Holy Spirit who bears witness with your spirit that you belong to the God of the universe as a son or daughter in his family. And so don't miss this. The Holy Spirit is working constantly behind the scenes in your life to give you this great assurance and confidence that you're loved. You've been adopted, you're approved of, you're accepted. The God of the universe gave up his son to make you a son or a daughter. Don't forget whose you are, don't forget who you are. The God of the universe is your good, gracious, kind, loving father. And again, I I know from my own experience, sometimes it's really hard to believe that. And it's hard to believe that when you're so busy walking in your own flesh. You see, the reality is nobody can convince you of who you are in Jesus Christ. Like, I can't do it. You can't do it for yourself. Other people can't, can't tell you, and, and you just magically believe. You're not going to sit down with your Bible and just 
work your way intellectually into that understanding. And the proof of that is seen in the fact that even right now, as I'm telling you who you are, some of you are having a hard time believing it. James, I don't know, bro. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what my past looks like. Me, a loved son or daughter of God. No, 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 no. I need to make up for the things I've done. I need to work into God's approval. Like, I'm just telling you, nobody can, can convince you of this. Save the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that gives you this assurance of who you are. And for those of you who believe it today, it ain't because you're smart and you figured it out. It's because the Holy Spirit of God showed up in your life in power and revealed to you what is true about you. This is what he does. He helps us to stand confidently in our identity. I'll give you one more. The power of the Holy Spirit makes it possible for you to speak boldly without fear. I love this story in Acts chapter 4. It's, it's one of my favorite stories out of the entire book. But it's a story of Peter and John, two of the disciples of Jesus, healing a lame beggar. And after they heal this guy, they're arrested. Can you imagine that? You're going to jail, bro, for healing that dude. That's crazy, isn't it? But, but they're arrested and brought in before the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin, and, and they're questioned. By what name or by what power did you do that? And I love what verse 8 says in Acts 4. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to these religious leaders, uh, we healed that guy in the name of Jesus. You guys remember Jesus, don't you, Jewish high court? He's that guy that a short time ago y'all killed. You put him on a cross, you murdered him unjustly, but then three days later, God rose him up from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning in power, and by his name, this man has been made well. Oh, and, and by the way, you need to know that there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Right? And then I love what verse 13 says, after Peter dropped that bomb on them, now... When they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. Some of us need to highlight that in our Bible. That's some good news for us, isn't it? Uneducated, common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This word that you see here in verse 13, boldness, it's the Greek word parousia. And it simply means Holy Spirit-inspired courage to speak in spite of threat or danger. Holy Spirit-inspired courage to speak in spite of threat or danger. So don't miss this. The Jewish high court was not astonished by uh, how smart these guys were, their intellect, by their uncommon ability. They had none. They were fishermen, for crying out loud, right? No, they were astonished by their boldness, blown away by their courage, courage given to them by the Holy Spirit of God that allowed them to speak without fear in the face of opposition. And would you look at me right now? I need you to know today that same boldness is available to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with all that said, the question I want to close with is this, and this is where the message gets super practical, by the way. If it's true that the power of the Holy Spirit makes the impossible possible. Here's the question. How in the world do you experience that power each day? Like, how do you walk in it? How does it become your reality? Are you ready for this super deep theological answer that I'm about to give you? You ready for this? Here's what you do. You ready? You want to experience it? You ask. You ask. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. James, surely it can't be that easy, bro. I just, I just ask? No, it is. It's really that easy. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. 
he's teaching his disciples about prayer here. And he says, what father among you, if his kid says, daddy, what I want for Christmas is a fish, instead of a fish, puts a a snake in a box and lets his kid open that up on Christmas Day. Uh, Which one of you, if your kid asks for an egg for his birthday, wraps up this stinging bug called a scorpion and says, here, kid, happy birthday, be blessed. Jesus, nobody does that. And so think about it. If you then, who are evil, sinful, broken people, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, don't miss this. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I want to make this really practical for you. I want to talk about what this ask looks like on a daily basis in your life, all right? So just lean in, if you will, and then we'll be done. All right, let's say you go to work this week. You go to school this week, students, and you sense the Spirit of God impressing upon you. You need to talk to your friend. You need to talk to your coworker about Jesus. But you're terrified, right? Anybody ever been there? Ah, that feels impossible for me. Here's what you do. You stop in that moment and you say to the Holy Spirit, I I can't do this, but I know you can do it through me. This feels impossible to me, but I know it's possible for you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you move in power in my life right now and give me the courage I need. Give me the words I need to speak. Holy Spirit of God, would you help me to be a witness today for those people who desperately need to see and hear about Jesus through my life? Uh, Let's say you sit down after today's message and you go back to the book of Galatians because you remember that list we looked at, you know, and you start to examine your life and you go, okay, where do I really need to grow? You know, the truth is I I could use some more love in my life. Um, I complain a lot, so I could use joy. I'm a jerk to people. I could use some gentleness and kindness. Here's what you do. You ready? You don't take your life and work on yourself and try to make you more of what you're not. No, instead, you sit down with that list and you pray it and you say to the Holy Spirit, I need you to show up in power because all this is impossible for me. Like, I've tried to be that, and I can't. It's way too hard, but I know it's possible for you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you produce some of that in my life? How about this? Next time you're tempted to sin, and I want to get way down into the weeds for just a minute if I can. Um, Let me call some things out. Next time you're tempted to look at pornography, like in that moment, you cry out to the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, your enemy is going to tell you to do something else. Uh, the enemy is going to be in your ear whispering to you, and he's going to say something like this. Hey, uh, you can't call out to God right now if you want to do that. You should feel ashamed of yourself right now. I mean, if you're thinking about doing it, you might as well go ahead and do it. Don't call on God. He doesn't want to help people like you who are ready to do something like that. You've got to push through that because God's in the background going, no, please call out to me. Oh, I want to show up right now more than ever. And so before you do anything, you cry out and you tell the Spirit of God, this is what I want to do, but I don't really want to do it, and I'm going to do it unless you show up in power in my life right now and give me what I need to put this sin to death. Next time you're tempted to be a jerk to your husband or wife, you stop in that moment and you say to the Spirit of God, help me to love my wife like Jesus loves his church. Help me to honor and respect my husband like I know you want me to do because it's really hard for me in this moment to want to do that. What about this? Single people in the room. I don't want to leave you out. 
Uh, what if next time you're hanging out with your significant other, you know, it's late and you're watching a movie and things are going down that don't need to be going down and you're about to cross the line you don't need to cross. Like, how awkward would it be in that moment if you just looked at that person and said, hey, what if we prayed right now and asked for the power of God? You think that might disrupt some desires? I do. Let me give you one more. Um, next time you're tempted to doubt your identity in Jesus Christ, like next time the enemy is whispering to you, look at what you've done, look at your past. He can't love you. Or he's using your circumstances against you to, to cause you to doubt God's care in your life. In that moment, you stop and you say, Holy Spirit, I need you to bear witness with my spirit right now. Not later, right now. Because I'm having a hard time believing what is true. And so would you remind me that God's love for me doesn't depend on what I do or don't do, but on what Christ has done. Help me to believe right now who I am. Can I just tell you the reason some of us in the room, please don't miss this, the reason some of us in the room don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit each day is because we're not doing that. Instead of asking for his power, we're just way too busy walking in our own. And I'll try to illustrate it and then we'll be finished. Um, recently, I watched this documentary on Netflix. and My wife makes fun of me for this all the time. I'm the guy who watches like random things on Netflix, all right? But I watched this documentary called Born Strong. And it's about four of the strongest men in the world preparing and competing for the world's strongest man competition. Well, toward the end of the documentary, this one dude, his name is Eddie Hall. He's a power lifter from the UK. He set a new world record for the deadlift. And if you don't know what a deadlift is, it's when you simply pick up a barbell loaded with weight off the ground. Like, that's it. Listen to this. This dude deadlifted over 1,100 pounds. Insane, right? And so think about this. Imagine you know Eddie Hall and you're hanging out with him one day and, and you guys roll up on this big heavy thing that needs to be moved. You know, it's like 1,100 pounds. Like which one of you are going to look at him and go, I got this, bro. You just, I got it. You stand back. Don't you hurt yourself. I'll take care of this. Like nobody's going to do that, right? No, you're going to look at that guy and go, this looks like something you need to do. And here's what's so crazy to me, and it's heartbreaking. Many of us in the room, we do the former with the Holy Spirit. We've got this unbelievable supernatural power living inside of our bodies. Yet day after day, many of us say to him, I got it. I got it. I got it. And my prayer is that that might change for some of us today. That in this moment, and this is what I want to encourage you to do as we close. That in this moment, you would just get real honest with yourself and real honest with the Spirit of God, and you would just begin to confess all your weaknesses. That you would start to tell him how much you need him and how much you need his power in your life. And look, then you get up tomorrow and you do it again. And you do it on Tuesday, and, and you do it the next day. And, and some days, and I know this from my own experiences, you've got to do it moment by moment. All right, I'm about to have to deal with my kids. Holy Spirit, move in power. Works really hard right now. I gotta go into this meeting. I need some power. Holy Spirit, life's really hard right now. I'm having a hard time believing what's true. Give me some power today. And here's what will happen in your life. And, and look, that's what walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like. And when you walk in relationship with Him like that, I'm telling you from the Bible and from my own experiences, He starts to make possible those things that seem most impossible to you. So right now in this moment, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes?
just all around the room. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. And right now, would you just begin to tell the Holy Spirit where you feel weak? Just tell him. Here's where I'm struggling today. I've got this sin in my life that, that I can't overcome. Holy Spirit, I just need you to know it. I need your power. Holy Spirit, I, I need more of your fruit in my life. I need you to change me more into the image of Christ. Holy Spirit, I'm having a hard time believing what's true today, that I'm actually loved by God. Just tell him, wherever you feel weak, just confess it. And as you confess it, why don't you just begin to ask him, Holy Spirit, flood my life with power. Holy Spirit, flood my life with power. Give me power in this area of my life. Show up and, and do things that only you can do. So now I believe that some of us in the room today aren't experiencing the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit because we don't know Jesus. And I just want you to know, you'll never experience the Holy Spirit until you first have a relationship with God the Son. Jesus promises his spirit to those who believe in him, who trust in him. And so maybe that's what you need to ask for right now in this moment. And if you do, why don't you just ask Jesus to save you? Just say something like this. Jesus, I need you. I know that I, I don't get the spirit without you. And so Jesus, I'm going to put my faith in you today. I trust that, that you gave up your life to pay for my sins and you rose from the dead so that I could be a new person. Jesus, would you in this moment forgive me and put your spirit inside of me and change me into the person you've created me to be. Jesus, I say yes to you. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus to save you for the first time, then would you let me know that you did that right now in this moment by just lifting a hand wherever you are? Change, that was me. I just prayed and, and asked Jesus to save me for the first time. Asked Jesus for the very first time in my life to put his spirit inside of me. Just throw it up real high so we can see it. Our prayer team is going to put a resource in your hand, and as soon as you receive it, you can put your hand back down. Awesome. Father, we just want to say today that we love you, and we are so grateful for your great love for us. Thank you that You've called us to a life that is impossible for us, but not impossible for you. And you put your spirit inside of us so that we can be the very people you've created us and saved us to be. God, help us to walk in that power that you've given us each and every day. God, we love you, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, we're gonna take a few moments and worship through giving. And so if, uh, if you came ready to give today, go ahead and get that out, your cash, your wallet, whatever it is. I'm going to invite the, uh, the host team to come forward. Just let me say this, our prayer team is going to be available before you leave today. And so if you need prayer about anything going on in your life or need to talk to someone further about a relationship with Jesus, man, while everybody else is leaving, I want you to come down front and just talk to them. Let them pray over your life, okay? Uh, but again, for now, we're going to give. And uh, as we give, I just want to remind us yet again that this month is Bless Month for our church, the month of April. 
Uh, this is a month where we are setting out to bless people outside our walls who are far from God with the hope and love of Jesus. And, and we're doing that in two significant ways. Number one, through serving. And so next weekend, if you don't remember, it's Bless Weekend. Uh, we're going to be outside the walls doing all these projects all over the community. And if you haven't signed up to be a part of that just yet, you need to do it today. Do not miss out on that, okay? So before you leave in the lobby, we have a table set up. Just go out there and sign up for a project. We'd love for you to be involved in that. The second way we're asking you to be involved is through giving. Uh, we have a really aggressive giving goal this month, $215,000. And every bit of that money, don't miss this if you haven't heard it especially, every bit of that money we are investing back in the ministry happening outside our walls. Every bit of it. And so a lot of motivation for us to tackle this thing, and I believe we can do it. One of the things that we're investing in is church planting. You may not know this, but over the last few years, our church has actually helped to start six brand new churches. One in Tampa, Florida, and five in Burkina Faso, Africa, among unreached people groups. It's awesome, right? And we're, we're hearing all kinds of stories about how God is using those new churches to impact the lives of people around the globe. And so we want to do more of that kind of work here where we are. And so later this year, we're planting another church. This is going to be a second Cross Point City Church up in the north part of Bartow County. And this month, by giving financially, you have an opportunity to invest in that new church. And so as we give today, we're just going to ask God to bless this time, uh, to bless the gifts. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, God, for calling us to uh, God, a, a great mission where we're sending people out and, and planning new congregations, God, all over the earth so that people who are far from you can know about you. And I pray right now as we give that you'd bless these gifts, bless the givers, use everything that we give for the glory of your name, for the advancement of your church, and we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.